Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Everything Iconic Pop Dive with me, Danny Pellegrino, where my guests and I dive into iconic pop culture touchstones. Today, we are diving into 1997's Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, starring the late Whitney Houston and Brandy Norwood. This made-for-TV remake of the classic fairy tale was one of the very first entries into ABC's weekly Wonderful World of Disney. Cinderella first aired on Sunday, November 2nd, 1997 at 7 p.m., months after Brandy premiered her hit TV sitcom Moesha, and three years after her self-titled debut album. It was one of the highest-rated programs of the year, seen by over 60 million people in its first showing. The film went on to become a home video sensation on VHS and continued to have robust ratings and encore airings for the ABC Network and the Disney Channel. The film was revolutionary for its colorblind casting, paving the way for Broadway's Hamilton and showing us the very first African-American Disney princess. Children of all colors could see themselves portrayed on screen, and the incredible ratings for the TV film proved that audiences were hungry for multi-ethnic stories. Filmed for $12 million, the film had A-list talent, robust and colorful sets, beautiful music, and was produced by Queen Whitney herself. We watched in awe as Whitney whisked Brandy off to the ball of her dreams and told her, It's possible, through a song. Whitney wasn't just singing to Brandy, she was singing to a generation of children watching, telling them that their dreams are possible. Last year, on the 20th anniversary of the film, R. Eric Thomas wrote this about the movie for L.com. He said, Cinderella taught me something revolutionary about the limitless nature of storytelling. That in stories, there are no constraints. The only limit is your imagination. And once you learn that, you don't unlearn it. If audiences can make sense of a fairy godmother turning mice into coachmen, they can figure out a multiracial family tree or really anything else. If you're lucky, in the 20 years since Cinderella premiered, you've had one of those brandy in the carriage moments where you're speeding off to something you thought was impossible. In those moments, I imagine Whitney flying alongside me, accompanying me to a bigger, bolder, better world. As she taught us all those years ago, it's possible. I invited my friend Nathan Ramos to discuss the cultural impact of the movie and so much more. This is an everything iconic pop dive into the wonderful world of Disney presents Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Okay, guys, I'm here with Nathan Ramos, a dear old friend. We went to college together, and I'm so excited that you're here to talk about 1997 Cinderella. First, I want you to tell me a little bit about your background with Disney. 
I guess to rewind, I was an actor in New York for a while, and I was actually in the first professional cast of Disney's Mulan, kind of kind of before it was going to get supposed to go to Broadway, and so I was kind of in that show. Um, it was kind of actually the last theater show I did, but um, right now I actually happen to write and write the songs and the script for uh, the reboot of the Mickey Mouse Club, which is uh, Club Mickey Mouse, and it's this kind of digital forward show, like the new generation of Britney, Christina, and Justin's like Ugh. singing, dancing, just like killing it and so we actually just wrapped the uh, back to school special and so by the way what a time that that original not it wasn't the original mickey mouse club but that one that we grew up with yeah i mean that cast is incredible Mm -hmm. and you think carrie russell ryan gosling jc chazay justin timberlake who else am i missing britney christina christina tony luca from the voice (laughs) oh my god was he yeah yeah he was a musketeer yeah i feel bad for those the ones that aren't those people yeah like like it was just such a stacked cast Mm -hmm. there's even people that like dd magno hall she was the first filipino first asian musketeer and she was with that crew and she's now the voice of pearl on steven universe and she's she went she like transitioned to broadway was like the first asian person in wicked so i mean like that whole crew of people killed it yeah that's amazing and so when you're working with these young kids now do you notice that kind of talent do you see it yeah Yeah, the, the the talent was what's really interesting about the cast now is they've a lot of them have already kind of like quote unquote made it like oh sorry like we're we're all in world of dance right now so like we can't we have to like oh, we can't make rehearsal yeah, we have to yeah. go like next week they're like oh like we just dance in the Super Bowl like because we were oh just, my God. it's such a funny like this is the surprise guest and they're like oh yeah we've already all already like worked with that oh my <laughs> like, God. you all are stars you all are we're on Ellen last week it's yeah. such a it's such a funny thing how you know these kind of self-made stars who are they already have 300,000 followers and mm-hmm. so we just kind of work with these people who've already kind of made themselves and it's really I think that's the really kind of cool thing about like today's youth yeah I was working with a social media influencer recently I thought just thought they were like a 12 year old kid <laughs> and then to come to find out it was like they have this huge crazy following yeah. and then of course I got jealous it could move to jealousy <laughs> yeah but so you, aside from working so much with Disney, are you, you're a Disney fan too, right? A huge yeah. Disney fan. Yeah. Because my, my parents were very religious growing up, you know, growing up in Ohio. And we're both Ohio boys. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> Wait, where did you go? I'm outside of Cleveland. I'm like a soul in Ohio, okay, right outside of Cleveland. So, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, we're yeah, like right okay, there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really, the only thing that we were allowed to watch growing up were Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just that, that whole golden age, like Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. What's your favorite? You know, oh, I mean... Mulan was my favorite. Right. The, the one of the, my favorite moments ever was when we got into the room for the first for the cast of it, and then we all started singing "Make a Man Out of You," and I like <sighs> none of us could get through the song because we were all just sobbing because that was like dream come true moment. Sure. But yeah, I Wait, would say. Can I just stop you for a second? And I'm having this flashback of seventh grade choir, mm-hmm. and we did that song. <laughs> I'll make a man out of you, and the choir teacher had given me like one line to do solo, mm-hmm. and then took it away. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, I'm like seriously having flashbacks. I'm going to have a nightmare tonight because I swear I remember they gave it to me to sing. They they sort of pieced out. Yeah. Like, you know in that song yeah. how there's I'm different lines, catch right? My breath. Say goodbye to those who knew. Yeah. yeah. I can't sing. You could all hear that. Uh, and I remember they gave me the line. I was like so excited. I did it like one time. And then the choir person left the room with the assistant or something. And then they came back. They were like, actually, we're going to give that to somebody else. Who got and to I was sing devastated. It? I don't know. I don't know. Fuck them, though. Well, where are they now? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I still can't. But I, I mean, I get it also. I can't sing. I was actually told once in a voice lesson that I'm tone deaf. 
<laughs> you know what, though? I feel like in seventh grade, you sh- the right. joy of okay. an experience should outweigh the, the someone's future prospects on, you know. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I agree. It's like seventh grade. It's yeah. like, just let me see the, sing the fucking line. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those lines, it was like a talkie line. Yeah. So it wasn't even... I had to, you know, get perfect pitch. Right, right, right. La la la. Sounds like sounds like that. That. Um, Did you hear me just hit that? Yes, note? you nailed it. I hit you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so you showed her or him, whoever your teacher was. It was a, it was a him. Yeah. It was a him. That fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Disney show. I should. Yeah. I should watch the um, the language. So, do you remember watching the Cinderella for the first time? Did you watch it when oh it aired? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I watched it when it aired. The, the lead up to it because they were like commercials and. It was the golden age of divas, you know, like Whitney, mm-hmm. Whitney, even and, and Brandy. And Brandy you know, was Mo- huge in the nineties. Yes, and yeah. Moesha was so huge. I loved Moesha. There was, I just remember one episode of Moesha where like the mother taught her to put like toothpaste on her pimples, and I like always did that for the rest of my life. Yeah. I was like, oh well, this they said to do Moesha. this on Moesha exactly. And that Moesha theme song was so so yeah. good. Mo to the e to, to the. the. Yes, yes. And did you watch the Parkers? I love the Parkers yes. too, the spinoff of yes. Moesha. I love Yeah, spin-off. so Cinderella came out, I think it was three months after Moesha premiered. So it was like mm-hmm. still sort of new in Brandy's career, but she mm-hmm. had three years since her debut album came out. Yeah. So she was like musically on the scene, but this was sort of the first big project that she did on screen. Mm-hmm. But I thought she did so great. remember watching and I remember sitting down with my mom and we would watch the wonderful world of Disney together mm-hmm. and uh, Cinderella's was, was one of the first wonderful world of Disney movies mm-hmm. and I remember Sunday nights at 7 p.m. like sitting down mm-hmm. and it was like a great mix that whole block was a mix of movies that we had already seen come out like Aladdin Lion King those ones that we love mm-hmm. and then original movies I remember there was one with Kirstie Alley playing a tooth fairy. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Wait, did... Toothless. Yes, yes, toothless. I hate hate that. I remember that. I hate myself. (laughs) No, it's amazing. Wait. Yeah, there was also like the Drew Carey, like Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one came... I think that came after Cinderella, though, but yeah. Oh, God, what a weird world that was. I know. (laughs) Drew Carey as the... Yeah. Oh, I know. Was there like a... I don't know, Rosie as the Easter Bunny or something? I don't know. Did you watch it with family at the time, or did you watch it alone? Yeah, I actually... I watched it with family... Because my parents had this weird green wooden cabinet in their bedroom, and so we would Sunday night we'd all sit on their king size bed, and we'd pull the doors open of this cabinet, and we'd like watch, mm-hmm. you know, Wonderful World of Disney on Sunday nights, and it's kind of that that kind of feeling when you are seeing something for the first time mm-hmm. because we all knew the story of Cinderella you know we mm-hmm. all like all have this vision of what that was and when Whoopi Goldberg comes on screen and Brandy comes on screen and and Whitney and and Paolo as mm-hmm. the prince, mother. I'll go to the ball. But if I don't find her tonight, you'll let me fall in love my own way. With no interference, no matter how long it takes. It does have the ring of fairness to it. It literally, there was this kind of like paradigm shift. Like my whole like world changed from yeah. this movie. Like, oh, Tell me about it. Tell me why. Tell me. I mean, I, I know why, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tell me why. Yeah. It's that kind of thing where you you never know that you're allowed to be something until someone gives you permission to feel that way, right. and that's kind of how I feel about representation. And when when I saw Paolo, it was almost this weird thing of there was this distance where like I saw him, he looked he looks exactly like my dad, 
Like wow. my dad and yeah. Paolo look like twins. And so, so your dad's it, really hot. <laughs> my dad's super Paolo's hot. Paolo's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. He's, he's, he'll send me a picture. Yeah. <laughs> What's his yeah. handle on Instagram? <laughs> his handle is at. No, it, it was almost this like disbelief moment where I was just like, no, that can't be right. Like he has to be something else besides me because like I couldn't be a prince because I'm, mm. I'm not allowed to be a prince. So like, I don't understand like who this person is. Cause you've never seen a prince that looked like you before. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so after that, you know, like, you know, like we had the VHS and then I had the DVD. I've seen this movie countless times. Right. Cause it's this, it, the, the first prince. And I think kind of like the last mm-hmm. Asian prince that we've had. So it's this, it made such a mark on me. Yeah. Well, and I think the colorblind casting was just so important to this movie. I was thinking, I know there's been a, a couple times since, but I'm shocked that it hasn't been more of a thing. Yeah. Again, it, it bugs me. It shocks me. It, it, it's like, why haven't there been more stories that have been told in this way where the casting was completely colorblind? Mm-hmm. Because in this movie, you know, you had the stepsisters. One was white, one was black, but they never had, they never explained. Mother, my girls are going to be the envy of everyone at the ball. <laughs> Do you really think so, mother? They never explained it. It was just, this is how it is. People are going to accept it. And as a kid, I remember it was 97, I was 12. I I don't remember ever feeling like it needed to be explained because I, I mean, we were at that young age where it's like, you just are presenting this to children. And I just wish there were more stories that were told that way. Yeah. And I don't ever remember thinking at that time, like, oh, Brandy's African American. Mm Mm-hmm. It just, she was a princess to me, but I wish more stories were told in that way. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish because, you know, they rebooted, they're doing all these live action movies Mm -hmm. now. They just did another Cinderella, like a big, Mm -hmm. uh, big Cinderella. Yeah. 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 It's kind of an interesting, the fact that in 1997, there was this, I mean, there actually was a lot of pushback because I was looking up all the reviews from back then and everything. And there was a guy, he said it was a. he called it a garish desecration oh my of God. the source material. And it was like, oh, like, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean? Because he, he was saying, like, yes, Whitney's talented. Yes, Brandy's talented. Yes, this Whoopi's Like, all, mm-hmm. yes, all these people are talented, but it's a garish desecration oh regardless. It's this kind of this coded language that, sure. you know, like, what, what does it actually mean kind of thing. It's so funny you say that because I looked up some clips on YouTube and I saw an Entertainment Tonight, like one of those pre-packaged interviews. Mm-hmm. And it was the guy from Entertainment Tonight on set with Whitney Houston. So she was literally just coming off screen yeah the movie hadn't been out you've kind of sexed her up here i mean this yeah she's pretty sassy yeah. you know yeah she's pretty very sassy. direct yeah she's got a little sass up in her yeah yeah well honey you know she talks like that kind of does, stuff you does know. the head thing yeah she Guys does all that in. stuff you know How do you do that I can't. I don't know. I don't know, man. I can't do this. It's a hood thing. It's, it's a hood thing. It's dope. It, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you Bob, that. Boy. It is. And it's dope. It's gonna get you in trouble. <laughs> but yeah, I'm. I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, what are you saying, yeah. dude? Like, yeah. Stop it. Whoa. Like, stop talking. But you know, that's. I, I don't know. It, it was yeah. a different time too, but yeah. still. Mm-hmm. But I think it still happens today, and I think it's kind of like this. That's why this Cinderella has such a legacy because it mm-hmm. did kind of like shift the ideas for so many young people. Paolo was talking about he was like the last person on the last day in the last hour to come in and he was understudying. To yeah, to audition. He was understudying this guy who was playing the young lover in King and I. And so I, I actually, so that guy's name was Jose Lana and I understudied him um, off Broadway in New York. Oh my God. And so then I got to meet Paolo because of that. It was honestly like it was an out of body experience 
to meet Paolo in person. <laughs> to meet the prince, this yeah. guy that you grew up seeing yeah. as the prince that you said it gave you excitement. Like, yeah, exactly. Permission exactly. to yeah. to dream of being a prince. Yeah, it was like he was my father, and yeah, like, yeah. I like it was the it was probably like my top three most starstruck moments in my life where I like was so embarrassing. It was like him, someone from like season seven of So You Think You Can Dance. Like and like <laughs> Oh my god, I get in these So You Think You Can Dance wormholes where yeah. I'm just like three hours at yeah. night spent mm-hmm. watching mm-hmm. clips from oh eight. Yes. <laughs> just crying. Of them of just like every yeah. performance of bleeding love <laughs> yes. from So You Think You Can Dance. Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. You know the uh casting uh, speaking of it, they really did have to fight for it. So I just want to explain originally they wanted Whitney to play Cinderella and then years and years had gone by as this had been sort of loosely in production and then Whitney had felt she was too old so she wanted to put Brandy as Cinderella and you were supposed to play Cinderella first yeah and then you said no no this isn't for me this no, is for Brandy no no right? this one's for Brandy yeah. Yeah. yeah and you called her up and what was I she did. was she I a said, little shocked will you play Cinderella for me and she said yes and she was screaming and excited and she said only, only if you play my godmother and I said okay we'll do it she did get some pushback from some of the executives I think one of them in this in the notes that I researched and some of the stuff I researched uh, one of the guys wanted Jewel to play Cinderella <laughs> yeah. and they tried to convince uh, some of the other producers and Whitney you know we already have you as a wicked stepmom shouldn't we have a white girl as Cinderella and mm. it's like Bugs me. Yeah, and I just love that like Jewel was the choice. I know Jewel like, of all people. I know. Of all people, like there was there were so many '90s pop princesses, yeah. and then like when you're going down the line, you're just like, let me I let know. me pull Jewel from this pile here. Like, oh my God, I wonder who else was on that list. Okay, yeah. let me think. I feel like Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jennifer yes. Love Hewitt. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Love Hewitt would have probably been yeah, she a great been Cinderella. Great. She would have been I great. mean, her single bare naked. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. But it was so great. And all of the casting all around, you had Whoopi Goldberg and Victor Garber as husband mm-hmm. and wife. They played Paolo's parents. Yeah. And again, you would see them, and there was no explanation of how Paolo came from these two parents. It was like, mm-hmm. this is just the world we live in. And then people of color populating this whole film not just the leads but also the extras is like in the scenes in the the courtyards and the balls and everything it was Mm -hmm. like everyone was different colors yeah and i loved that yeah it just felt like everyone felt included in this movie so why do you think more productions haven't done this i mean i know like hamilton is Mm -hmm. sort of the famous example of Mm -hmm. doing this colorblind casting but what do you think is stopping people a lot of it is kind of like connection to source material. If you're selling a brand on nostalgia, you're having to recycle the kind of the same thing. And so this wasn't a reproduction of the Cinderella Disney movie. This was a reproduction of the Rodgers and Hammerstein's right. Cinderella. So, I mean, like, I think that what would be exciting is to really, really kind of do that. You know, like, I think that we're starting to kind of see this reinvention of musicals like on TV, you know, where they're doing Rent soon and, they're, and they did, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar. And so... I think that with these kinds of things, I hope that we kind of get the ball rolling. Because I mean, mm-hmm. even with Greece, I thought Greece was beautifully shot, was beautifully done, and the like, live Greece on Fox, yeah, the live yeah. Greece on Fox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, yeah, I liked yeah. Greece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm it, trying to think of it. Yeah, and I just remember Vanessa Hudgens was. <laughs> I think right. was she Rizzo. Yeah, right. Oh, I love the role of Rizzo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think that that's kind of the thing because I think Disney's in kind of this strange place for me, and I guess even I'm talking to my employer, but like, yeah. <laughs> but it's just kind of. Strange thing where, like, yeah, all their new IPs, like, you know, when you look at Club Mickey, like, it's super diverse, super fun. Everyone's represented. There's, you know, there's all different shapes and sizes and colors on it. And it's really exciting to see these new 
these like reinventions of these IPs. Whereas yeah. Disney movies, it's hard because the, these, you're taking these animated films and you're making them into you know live action. yeah live action. And so people want to see like the exact they want to see the mm-hmm. exact moment where Belle like runs up the hill. They want to see the exact moment where Belle comes down the stairs. You know, and it's yeah. we lose the creativity. It's kind of like just photocopying right. onto a different medium. And so that's my problem with those remakes is that they just feel too carbon copy. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'll just watch the animated film if you're going to show me exactly like what the animated film was. I'll just watch that. Yeah. And I'd much rather see the animated voices or hear the animated voices than Emma Watson trying <laughs> to hit a note. I mean, she sings as good yeah, as I do. Yeah. <laughs> that choir teacher yeah. needed to go pull that girl out of that I studio. Know. Some choir teacher needed to take away her <laughs> take solo. Her away. That whole solo. Yeah. She had like four songs in there. I'm yeah. like, why is she singing in my yeah. ear? Her bleeding in my ears. It, even like, even if we overdub, you know, like go the My Fair Lady route where, you know, you had someone overdub from the, like the 1950s, right. 1960s version. You know, that even would be we're like, talking uh, even the, in terms of these animated films. Didn't mm-hmm. Leah Salonga mm-hmm. dub for for Ming Na Wen? So Ming Na Wen was the speaking voice of Mulan, and then Leah Salonga right. was the singing voice. And then yeah, so Leah Salonga was the singing voice also for Jasmine. So uh, Leah Salonga, yeah. by the way, if you guys don't know her, please go research her. She's amazingly mm-hmm. talented, and also isn't she the only person to ever be two Disney princesses? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. She literally did the singing voice for Jasmine and mm-hmm. Mulan. Like, yeah. That's Fucking amazing. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh my God, I Ugh. would die. They yeah. just did recently, there was like a Disney press event or something yeah. where it was all the women who are the voices of the Disney princesses. Mm. And it's like, I worship these women. Yes. <laughs> They're just yeah. amazing. And they all sounded exactly the right. same, except for Belle. She she gave me that, like, she gave me a little bit of a rasp, but I was uh, here for yeah. it. Yeah. Paige O'Hara, is yeah, that her? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now I want to talk about the music in the movie. The music oh. is so good. Yeah. Do you have a favorite song? Oh gosh, I mean... In, I, in my own little corner is a bop, yes. I think. In my, in my own little corner okay. is a bop. Yeah, yes. so cute. Just as long as I stay in my own little corner, I'm alone in my own little chair. I just like love when she takes the broom and she's doing the hunter part. Like, it's yes. so cute and... And because like the choreography and the music like just synced so well in this in this movie. I mean, I love Impossible. Mm-hmm. Impossible is that that to me is that perfect synergy of like taking something old and then taking the best of what is new with Whitney Houston's just like undeniable talent and Brandy's like vulnerability and mixing all three of those things together. And I feel like that's what Impossible is. For the world is full. Actually, what probably one of my favorite songs was um, Bernadette Peters' song mm. to the daughters. They put it in there to kind of give the wicked stepmother this arc: don't marry for love, marry for money, so that because safety is better than mm. your heart. Kind of like, oh, that makes sense because like you're a single mother now having to care for three children, and like Cinderella, the embodiment of like this man that you really did love, but now like your life is very difficult because of this. They 
did so much work on just like updating the script and giving everybody agency mm-hmm. and just really letting everyone have this whole arc. And like, I, I really appreciate it. And having song. someone like Bernadette Peters, like you got to give her a song. Yeah. You got to have even, they even gave Whoopi a little song. She's yeah. got like a little, <laughs> and I love hearing Whoopi, but it's interesting with the leads with Whitney and Brandy, they have such pop voices mm-hmm. and then they were doing these very big Broadway songs, but they did it in the most beautiful way and meshing, like you said, meshing the quality of pop with these Broadway songs and somehow it worked. I mean, I think impossible is just, I mean, such a, that's what I think you think of when you think about this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Even all the commercials I was looking on YouTube, commercials for the movie and trailers Mm -hmm. and everything. It's like, they all focus on impossible. And that whole sequence in the movie, it's when she's being dragged off to the ball and she's Mm -hmm. in the carriage and it's just this very inspirational song Mm -hmm. and just singing beautifully. And then their voices, Whitney's and Brandy's are also so different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So different. So there's a clip of a behind the scenes on YouTube Mm -hmm. which it's sort of like this iconic clip of Brandy and Whitney (laughs) singing Impossible in the Mm -hmm. recording studio. And Brandy's trying her best. I should mention this clip. It's like a Disney produced. So it was for like their press kit or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's just this quick little moment that snuck in the press kit, (laughs) like some shady gay editor probably snuck it in. (laughs) And it's this moment where, Brandy is trying, and Whitney's just like, why are you down there? Because like Disney Sorry. is so, they are so ironclad with image and what you what you let be shown, and the fact that they just like showed oh, that it was a it's, dream. It's it is iconic. Like yeah, it truly. is. Why are you iconic. down there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes me laugh. That's like one of those things where it's late at night, if I can't sleep, I'll just it'll randomly pop mm-hmm. in my head and I'll rock yeah. to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> just like, knowing that it was yeah, produced, everything is right in the world. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I really wish we could get the unedited footage of that rehearsal. Yeah. Time. It's so interesting because it was such a kind of a tumultuous time in Whitney's life, you know, while she was filming the movie because she only, she said, I only have four days to film this movie. Right. And she also said when they were, you know, doing the, the, the original reading for her, like she was, she was like seven hours late, mm-hmm. like to yeah. the reading. And it was a rough time yeah. for Whitney's life. And yeah. they, uh, I had read interviews that it was very hard to get this whole thing off the ground. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, they only had a limited time with Whitney yeah. and they had a limited budget. It was a $12 million budget. Yeah. So then even at the end they got Whitney, but then they sort of had to do some weird CGI <laughs> yeah. stuff. <laughs> because they couldn't afford to do like a fine the final scene. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting story actually about Whoopi Goldberg giving her money, yeah. her day rate, mm-hmm. so that they can finish the movie. And right. that's just an amazing thing of mm-hmm. Whoopi. People don't know how amazing yeah. Whoopi is in, yeah. in those kind of quiet moments. Yeah, like she would stay on set all day, even if they like didn't need oh, her. Oh yeah, Whoopi would just hang mm-hmm. out on set and mm-hmm. Whoopi said that little kids would come up on set and she'd be smoking or something and yeah. she'd put the cigarette away because she yeah. said she didn't want the Disney image. She didn't want kids to mm-hmm. see a, a Disney star yeah. smoking a cigarette. And yeah. it's like, that's amazing. Yeah. I love Whoopi so much. <laughs> she'd be one of those people that I would freak out. <laughs> I would cry. I would, I would freak out. I was bartending in New York and I'm sitting and we're like closing because we would close from like three to five or whatever. And Hillary Swank walks in and sits down at one booth. And I'm just like, okay, like we have to keep the bar open because Hillary Swank is here. Sure, sure. And then two uh, minutes no. later, Whoopi Goldberg walks in and sits on the opposite. And I'm the only oh person God. in there. And so I had to serve both Hillary Swank and Whoopi Goldberg 
I lost you get it. diarrhea? I would, yeah, yeah, literally. I, like, I would I, was, I told my manager, I was like, I can't serve with the Goldberg because, like, I'm too, yeah. too shaken. She raised me, so, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't, yeah. So I, I, just, like, I had sat. to serve Ryan Phillippe when he was wearing just a towel once. Like, I was, what? I bartended at this place. It was a spa, but there was a restaurant, and he came in. People could come in in their, like, spa clothes. Right, right. And I... I mean, I had trouble serving, but for different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) You said Whoopi was your mother. He was my daddy. (laughs) So we talk about the music and Impossible leads into that scene where she gets to go to the ball and she's in that beautiful blue dress. And one of the things I found interesting about the Cinderella story in this version in particular, she was only there for 45 minutes to fall in love. (laughs) She fell in love in 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, Do you believe in love at first sight? Oh man, I, I used to teach Romeo and Juliet to fourteen-year-olds, and I would ask them this question. Do they get it? You know what? They were very smart. Like they're very kind yeah. of cognizant, and some of them are romantic and like, yes, I believe in love at first sight. But then, like, you have those cynic kids who are just like, no, like it's just lust. If lust, lust can turn into love, right. and I think that that, I mean that. You know, like Brandy and Paolo are two beautiful people. They saw each other and like they, their first moment, they have mm-hmm. so much chemistry on, oh like God. the way that they're looking at each other. Mm-hmm. There's a gif of it online. You could yeah. just see that first look and mm-hmm. it really is the most romantic like yeah. first look. I, they mm-hmm. have chemistry. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think even if it was love at first sight, like they did, you know, meet as other people. And so it's this un- interesting thing that like Prince meets Cinderella when he's, pretending to be someone else and then they meet again and he's really who he is and then Cinderella is pretending to be someone else. Do you think Cinderella as a story is outdated? I think that they... That's a good question. I think... I know. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. I'm just kidding. Well, well, well. You're right. Um, Yeah, I... I think that they did a really good job updating the story. This one, yeah, yeah, this version. Because I think, like, you know, in the original version, yeah, she is a pretty passive hero. Like, she's the most passive hero. Like, this, the, the prince is doing all the work. Mm-hmm. But how do we activate passivity, I think, is the question that, like, the writer had to ask themselves mm-hmm. for this script. Because it's like, okay, she's still, you know, she's still going to be, like, locked in the room and everything. But, like, how do we activate her? And I think that they really did a really great job of, in the beginning when he's just like, you're not like the other girls. And she's like, well, what is a girl supposed to be like? Even though she's in a place where she doesn't have any power, like she's still able to assert herself. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the Cinderella in this story was a strong person, even though the circumstances don't necessarily give her the most agency. She goes to the ball and she dances and she lives her life. And like, she kind of fulfills everything that she wanted to fulfill in that way that she was active. I totally agree. You know, one of the other things I love about this movie is the sets are beautiful. It looks mm-hmm. sort of rich. I know it was a teamy movie, but we said it was $12 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything looks really good. Yeah. And even though there's cheesy special effects and sure. cheesy CGI, <laughs> I, for some reason it's charming, right? It is. It like is. the weird little twirly things they do with the yeah. CGI. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's charming. And yeah. seeing Whitney and flying alongside Brandy in the yeah. carriage, it's mm-hmm. just it's so cute. Yeah. And, and 20 years later, like the costumes look tight. Costumes, right. The, the the Wicked Stepsisters costumes, those kind of like the hoop skirts that they wear and just the colors. What I really loved was because they had this kind of whole colorblind casting moment, they really got to lean into that in a really respectful way that I felt like with the costumes because there was just, there was polls from all different cultures make these costumes that if it was just an all all white cast or like yeah. you know a, all certain ethnicity cast then it, you wouldn't necessarily be able to cross all those lines but because it was this like yes we're gonna try it. we're just gonna throw everything into this beautiful pot and boy it's gonna make a wonderful stew it really worked for yeah. me 
And thank God for Whitney for getting this project together because I don't know, really at that time, I mean, you think about A-list women of color Mm -hmm. and you have the two of them in this film with Whoopi and Whitney because there's very few. And even now, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of who would be that female person of color that could get something like this off the ground. But Whitney was just such a cross-generational, cross-ethnicity, huge superstar. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing that she really fought to get this to happen and fought to get Brandy in the film. And Why shouldn't every child see their own kind? It's cool. It's all right. Who do you think would be, if they did this now, Mm. a version similar to this? Do you think they could do it with... I mean, like, I feel like the the only person right now that comes close to, like, Whitney's utter dominance as like a cultural marker I feel like is Beyonce right Beyonce could do it yeah I feel like if if Beyonce but I can't think of that like young up and comer who would be Cinderella Cinderella yeah I mean like maybe like Normani from Fifth Harmony or like a Kiki Palmer yeah yeah. or Zendaya or uh, yeah Zendaya would be Um, amazing oh my god did you see The Greatest Showman yeah. It's okay. I liked it. Did you not like it? I, you said it like you don't like it. I was, I was about to be like, I loved it. I th- you know what? I love... I, I would, didn't even finish it, by the way. Yeah, I never yeah, finished yeah. the end of it. I, 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 I did walk out of it. Oh, okay. Well, so but, we, we got to the same point. You know what? Yeah, I think it's weak, But, like, I just love the audacity of some of the moments. Like, just telling me that, like, Michelle Williams is the same age as Hugh Jackman. Like, yeah. the audacity know. that you I have, know. you right. know? Like, right. the audacity that, like, that you're saying P.T. Barnum was, like, a good person. It's going to be one of those great cultural... Rocky Horror Picture Show where like you can watch it with a group of gays and we with can just, a, a nudge and a wink exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can just like shout at the screen for two right. hours like I no mean, I mean there was a lot of that. ridiculous stuff about it and I again did not finish it I, I got to <laughs> I got to like I think it was the Zach Efron and Zendaya yeah. song and I like loved it and then it was bedtime or something for yeah, me yeah. you know I, mm-hmm. it was ten oh five and so I watched to then and I loved mm-hmm. that scene and then I was like I don't think I want to finish it because yeah. I had such a great feeling about mm-hmm. it yeah I mean I, I love all the performances of all the songs like anytime and on like The Voice or American Idol when they sing any of the songs I'm just like brilliant yeah yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, yeah. thank you yes yeah. you've changed the world I love I love that it's interesting because we talked about the Cinderella remake that was just a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's already forgotten. Yeah. And of course, maybe time will tell in 10 years we'll be mm-hmm. talking about it. I doubt that. No. I don't, right? Yeah, no. we're not going to be talking about no, it. No. I don't think we'll be talking about Beauty and the Beast in no. three years. No, no, no. I think those are cash grabs. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, Beauty and the Beast was, like, the highest grossing PG movie of all time. There was some, some it's, yeah, it's the numbers are hundreds. insane. Yeah, the numbers were crazy. And, and they sort of trick you, and I think you leave those movies being like, oh, I love Loved it, but they're mm-hmm. so forgettable. Yes, or I think maybe you, you leave the theater and feel like you love it because it reminded yes. you of the cartoon. Exactly, right? That's that's what it is. It's yeah, hundred percent that. Yeah, yeah, because it's weird. I the Cinderella. I'm like, I saw that in the theater, and I can't remember one thing. Yeah. For, I can't even tell you. The girl, I yeah, think the I girl was Mia. Was. I don't know. I don't know who anybody was. No, I can't yeah. remember the prince. Kate Blanchett. I only remember Emma Watson somewhere. from Beauty and the Beast because of her horrendous singing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like huffing and puffing up that hill, just like auto-tuning up to the Oh note. my God, like, that was like painful when she was doing that yeah. song. What's that first song she has? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, I'm like, girl. Do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. dub her or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't something. get that. Let her sing How did that get passed? I don't know. How did that get passed? It stressed me out. They should have dubbed Brandy's voice, and Brandy sounded lovely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we remember this movie from 1997, a TV movie. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all still talking about it. And if you look up online, there's tons of articles. Last year was the 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. That's why we referenced some stuff that we read about it. It really made an impact on a lot of people, not just uh, people of color and 
people like me and everyone, I think who saw it, it really made an impact. And I, so I wish they would, I wish studios would take more chances with projects like this because you will get a lasting impression. Mm -hmm. What do you think is similar to the wonderful world of Disney now? Like, is there something in the television landscape that families can all sit and watch together and all enjoy? You know, I had that Rosie O'Donnell episode where I talked about her show where it was like, I could watch it with my grandmother or anyone and we would all enjoy it or get something out of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's a lot of that. I think Pixar, those movies are something everyone can watch together Mm -hmm. and they're doing well and everyone wants to see Finding Dory or whatever it is. Right, right, right. Do you think there's anything else? There's something like that accessible and that. Because this Cinderella and Wonderful World of Disney, I felt like every age, genre, Mm -hmm. sex, whatever, could watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of content that's needed right now. We need content that, like, Mm -hmm. brings people together because the world's kind of tough right Right? now. I know, it's tough. We need this sort of easy, not easy, but... Nice. Yeah, telling us like how great the world can be, mm-hmm. you know, if we just love each other. And I, I, it's kind of like stressing me out that I can't think of something. It, I feel that, like we're lacking because I before yeah. you came over, I was trying to think of something, and I couldn't think of anything other than Pixar. And yeah. Pixar was what one movie a year. Yeah. And uh, the movie theaters are so filled with mm-hmm. these superhero movies, which a lot of them are family friendly. But I don't know sure, that there is. Yeah. I don't know. There needs to be some sort of balance. I think mm-hmm. right, like. Superhero movies may be for everyone, but I think we also need some romances. We need mm. some other levels instead of just going to the theater as a family to watch some evil villain try to take over the earth. Right, right, right. Gosh, what is that? That's that's gonna that's gonna bother me. I mean, like, you know what I think it is? I think that like the men Miranda, hopefully within the within the next like five, ten years, like lead that charge of creating this content that connects everyone on some level. In the Heights, now that it's finally, now that they finally have the rights back and it's back at a, another studio, they're going to be going into pre-production. I think that's going to be something that's going to feel timeless and it's going to, it's going to harken back to kind of like mm-hmm. West Side Story meets this kind of 90s hip-hop, meets this kind of contemporary feeling of today, meets this kind of simple love story, but also universal feelings of how do you do your best in, in a world that kind of tells you you can't be something. So I feel like In the Heights, if they were to do, you know, like I would love if they did like a Spring Awakening, a movie of that. I think there is something magical about all these musicals. They're timeless for a reason, you know, and I think that if we were to kind of mind those things that if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, like right, right, right. bring it back. Uh, this movie in particular, I mean, I could talk about it forever. I just love, I love the story. It was a Whitney Houston production as well. We, I don't think we mentioned that, but it says Wonderful World of Disney Presents and Whitney Houston present, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's both of them, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Yeah. Like, Disney doesn't just allow that for anyone. Never. And it is really a part of Whitney's legacy. I mean, I know Whitney has the bodyguard and this great music, but I think there is a generation of people that think of her as the fairy godmother. Yeah. And yeah, she said in that article, that Shondaland article, she said that Cinderella was the, her favorite project that she ever did. You yeah. know, I think because she was on all sides of it, you know, she was in it, she was producing it, she was, she did the music and the acting, and she also like helped shepherd this work through. And right. I think that that was, that's like, it's a legacy piece. And the article we keep referencing is from Shondaland, Shonda Rhimes, her company. Uh, they did a 20 year retrospective last year. So everyone go look that up. It's like an oral history of the movie. And it's so interesting. There's so many different little tidbits that we didn't really get to. 
Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. uh, So that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. It's just a great, happy movie. And I, I want, I crave more content like that. Just Mm -hmm. happy. You know, I know Disney aside from Pixar does some great movies like Moana and, Mm -hmm. you know, some of their non Pixar products are great, Um, but I just want more of it. Mm -hmm. You know, who would you want to be the Disney princess of today? If they were to do another Cinderella, they were to do another. Gosh, who would I want? 20 years. I mean, I would love to see Beyonce play the the fairy godmother (laughs) too. I mean, any of these young girls. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they can even go older, too, because, I mean, Whitney was young. She was in her 30s at the time. Mm -hmm. I feel like they can go much older, like a Viola Davis or, Mm -hmm. I mean, so many different women that, yeah, Leah Salonga, Mm -hmm. right? Did I say her name right? Yeah. 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 I just was in a wormhole of hers the other day. (laughs) Could you imagine if they rebooted and Brandy was the the fairy godmother? Oh, my God, I'd die. That'd be amazing. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me, Brandy's career where it is now because she really was this young pop princess Mm -hmm. and she was poised for that Whitney Houston kind of stardom Mm -hmm. because she not only had this project but she had tons of films she did I still know what she did last summer do you remember Mm -hmm. she did that other made for TV movie with Diana Ross double platinum yes yes you remember Uh, that I remember that that was good (laughs) Uh, but she was doing a lot of acting and yeah. I felt like she should be that huge yeah. star and I'm not exactly sure why. Yeah, we moved into this era of youth obsession that like once she got past like the certain age it was like someone decided like okay like once they get to a certain age like we no longer need mm-hmm. them. Like we don't have these like legacy 
artists anymore. It's so hard because it's, you know, like Cher spans five decades, you know, like Whitney Houston spanned four decades, you know, Mariah Carey too. It's just like, now we're like this obsession of, okay, now that we have Charlie XCX and uh, BB Rexa, all these like, we're constantly trying to die out. I was just reading this article. It was about how it's easier for these record companies to get a hit with someone people don't know mm-hmm. and so they are putting all their power and their the writing and all the professionals behind new people so they get one big hit and then move on we grew up with these icons of right. who've been around forever and it's tough and then a lot of these the good singers don't always write their own music so yeah. they need the people behind them. Mm-hmm. And it's like Whitney never wrote her own music, yeah. but she always had the best people. She had David Foster exactly. and like some of the Diane Warrens and mm-hmm. some of the best people behind her yeah. and the money behind her, Clive Davis, yeah. which just, it's sad mm-hmm. that it's not, Yeah, it's sad. I wonder if any of these girls, do you think any of the current pop girls will be lasting? Like, do you think Ariana and Grande will be remembered? I think out of all of them, yeah, like Ariana that. Grande is trajectory wise and also where she kind of fell like she fell right before this push of these mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. new girls and then she really kind of with her first album really kind of respected and paid homage to a lot of the people mm-hmm. before her and i think because she's so respectful of those people i mean and she also started on broadway not to say the other these new girls aren't but i think no, that but they're trash yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i think that she because she did that whitney houston tribute yeah. um on that greatest hits abc show and it was stunning yeah like, she's got a great voice yeah so i think out of any of these new pop girls like i'm rooting for ariana and i'm also yeah. and we'll see do you think that megan trainer's the next celine dion <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's not. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> okay, yeah. so as a music fan, what's your favorite Disney song? Do you have an all-time favorite Disney song? Hands Down, Reflection. I would lip-sync that song in the mirror. In seventh grade, we had to do... I had... So, I'm doing like, it now. <laughs> I still do it Yeah. I still do Yeah, I still yeah. do it. In seventh grade, I had a teacher, Mr. Jaworski, who was actually Mr. Leather Daddy Cleveland, 1999. <gasps> no. And he was this, like, super gay leather daddy teacher, and I was just like... He was like... Did he wear leather to class? I mean, he, like, just had the hand handlebar mustache sure. the perfect hair oiled up at oh school just God. like wearing that this like the, the tightest polos the tightest pants and i was just like this you're gonna kill me you're gonna kill me dead in seventh grade he made us lip sync for our lives in seventh grade um, who is this hero not all heroes wear capes cape. somewhere leather yeah and <laughs> somewhere in ohio exactly. teaching yeah. classes teaching in, English. Yeah. in leather and so this one girl did reflection and he was so gagged that he oh. made her do it three more times Oh, like what's his like, name? Mr. Jaworski. So shout Mr. out to Jaworski. Mr. Jaworski. He's a star. Yeah. I hope he's listening. Yeah. I went so when I went to I went back to Cleveland one year and I was at Cocktails downtown Cleveland yeah. and or not downtown, it's like in Ohio City. And I walk in and he's there with his oh new boy. And so we sang Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me because it was karaoke night. Oh my god, Nathan, this yeah. story is a dream. Yeah. It was yeah, I'm going to go with you next time yes. over Christmas or something. Do you go back for the holidays? Well, my parents live in D.C. now, but I oh, still try and go back. Damn it. Yeah. Your I hot dad's in D.C.? I, I got to go visit there and Cleveland? <laughs> yeah. oh, I want to meet this teacher. It's too much. Do you remember in the Christina Aguilera behind the music when was so impressed that she was able to do that? What was it? The high? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I yeah. got the high C mm-hmm. above E. Or am, yes. I, am I making that up? High E above C. High E above C. Like, mm-hmm. how do I even remember that yeah. from behind the music? Yeah. The song required a high E over middle C. That that note is a difficult note to sing. <laughs> There's no two ways around it. I called Christina and I asked her, can you hit the high E an octave above middle C in full voice? And she said, Mom, 
Can I hit the high E and octave above middle C? She had to find a song that actually contained that high note. And she ended up choosing I Want to Run to You by Whitney Houston. Christina had an old tape recorder. And she went into the bathroom and belted that note out. Yeah, it was like Christina Aguilera could do it. Yeah. She like went, she's like, I love when she just like, yeah, so I went into the closet and I just like heard the note and I did it. I just did it. I just, I wish I could say that one day. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I heard the note and I just did it. Yeah. Impossible. And there was something interesting about on set when, because it was like the first time a lot of people have had these multi, multi, this like hugely multicultural cast on set where didn't hire enough people to do like black women's hair. And right. yeah. And so like it was, and I actually had the same situation. We, I was doing this show with all, like all Asians and Asian hair is much, it's, it's, it's just much different than, you know, a lot of white people's hair and all of our hairstyles were like falling out because it was just like, they had white hairdressers. Yeah, yeah. We had only, and so yeah, this, in the article you're referring to, yeah, they mentioned yeah, yeah. that there were, they didn't hire enough African-American hairdressers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you know, this was Victor Garber's like first big yeah. on-screen role. Yeah. He had yeah. done a lot of stage stuff. All your mother and I want is for you to be happy. Happiness has nothing to do with it. I mean, of course we want you to be happy, but you do have certain obligations. What your mother's trying to say is, <laughs> we think it's time you chose a bride and produced an heir. Someday soon, this entire kingdom will be yours. Not that soon. And he's mm-hmm. a cute, openly gay man now. Yeah. Yeah. Are you attracted to Victor Garber? I was trying to figure that out as I rewatched. I, I feel like if, if they have a pulse, I'm attracted. You know? <laughs> Good answer. You alive, yes. I'm attracted. You dead, still attracted. You know, still here for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Nathan, on that note. This was so fun. I love you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can fo- follow me at Instagram at Nay3Ray, N-A-Y-3, the number three, R-A-Y. And what about the show? Where can people find uh, so the Back to School special should be dropping sometime in August, um, but you can see all of us at facebook.com slash Club Mickey Mouse. So we opened the ABC Christmas Day Parade. It was choreographed by Mandy Moore from So You Think You Can Dance and Dance with the Stars. <laughs> Not that Mandy Moore. No, from we love them both. Yeah, we love them both. I got to do a Mandy Moore pop dive because I'm obsessed with her uh, too. But. For another time. Yes, for another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, while you're over at Facebook, please find me uh, over there. I'm Pellegrino Danny on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Danny Pellegrino. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes if you like it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Samson Technologies for sponsoring the show. And for bonus episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash everything iconic and pledge $4 or more per month to get access to all the bonus episodes and help support the show. So thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all so much. <laughs> I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. 
Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.